Good morning. This isn't the usual mic I wear, so. So my talk um, this morning is inspired by recently reading uh, the first book of the voluminous Flower Garland Sutra, uh, which is also called in its original name, Avatam Saka Sutra. Um, it's also translated as uh, the Flower Ornament Sutra. And uh, I've been disinclined to read this sutra for many years uh, because it's quite voluminous. Uh, but um, my teacher asked twice <laughs> that I start reading it. So, um, so I, at, the second, at the second urging, I did uh, read the first book of the sutra. Uh, the setting of this sutra is in... Uh, the land of Magadha, which is the traditional setting of all sutras, and uh, it's at the site of enlightenment. But nothing else about this sutra has any correspondence with um, any historical or locational uh, or time-bound events. Um, the first, uh, the first thing we learn is, um, well, the first thing we learned is, is that the Buddha has awakened, and uh, the second thing we learn is, is, is a little bit about the the site of enlightenment, uh, but it's nothing like what we're used to. Uh, the site of enlightenment, um, the tree of enlightenment, the Bodhi tree. Uh, its trunk is uh, made of, uh, I think, uh, diamond, yes. Its trunk is made of diamond, and, and its branches, the branches of this tree are made of lapis lazuli. The ground is also of diamond. And um, the tree itself um, emits uh, sounds, and these sounds uh, are sounds of awakening. It's not clear if it's it's not clear that it's a language, but but the sounds that this tree of enlightenment emits are. Preaching the Dharma, I guess. That's the implication. Wondrous sounds coming from this tree of enlightenment. So it seems as though uh, the Buddha's awakening, what it, what it feels like after reflecting on for a while, I've, my conclusion was that the Buddha's enlightenment has set off a transformational change in this, or anyway, in some world, 
a transformational change, and it's like uh, it's it, it's it seems like a a chain real a chain reaction, a chain reaction of liberation has been set off by the Buddha's awakening, and um, the uh, the main thing that occupies this 149-page chapter of the first book of the sutra <laughs> is myriad, of be- myriad beings appearing uh, to teach the Dharma, to uh, tell us how they, these myriad beings, um, are uh, entering uh, the door of liberation, entering the door of liberation. Um, and these beings are very numerous, uh, and they they include, you know, usually, you know, it's quite common in Buddhist sutras to have some bodhisattva or another preaching the Dharma. But here we have, and we do have some in this sutra, and we also have Brahma kings, and many spirits also preach the Dharma and enter, you know, they tell us about their practice of entering the door of liberation. And these spirits are like spirits of mountains, spirits of rivers, spirits of fields, spirits of plants and herbs, um, rivers and streams. So all these spirits, you know, come forth, have, you know, we have to say, have magically, uh, have magically appeared to preach the Dharma. On and the Buddha uh, is is this is significant, I think. You don't hear the Buddha, at least in this first chapter, saying a word. Uh, it's these beings who appear to us to assist him in preaching the Dharma, to preach the Dharma on his behalf. It's like. Maybe they just appear because the Buddha's uh, silent meditation is not to be disturbed. doesn't tell us that. But in any case, uh, the Buddha has just awakened. And um, uh, it's as, to quote a, <laughs> a recent movie, it says, Every, it's as if everything is happening everywhere all at once. It's like that. It's like this explosion, this chain reaction of liberative teachings. So it's um, it requires, you know, for us to to read it, it requires a suspending uh, our usual, um, you know, interest in 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 uh, time and place, and and you know so forth, and um, and the. Um, Interest in in, uh, in the characters that are preaching the Dharma and who they are. Uh, so I, I'll give you uh, a little flavor of just how this sutra sounds for 149 pages. <laughs> the Brahma King Sikkim found the door of liberation, abiding in all sites of enlightenment everywhere and preaching the truth while being pure 
and free from attachments in all actions. Brahma King, light of wisdom, found the door of liberation, inducing all sentient beings to enter meditative absorption and stay there. Brahma King, radiance of beneficent wisdom, found the door of liberation entering everywhere into inconceivable truths. Brahma King, sound of ubiquitous clouds, found the door of liberation entering into the ocean of all utterances of the Buddhas. Brahma King, independent observer of the sounds and speech of the worlds, found the door of liberation of ability to remember all the techniques used by enlightening beings in teaching all sentient beings. Brahma King, eyes of still light, found the door of liberation showing the individual differences in characteristics of results of actions of all beings. Brahma King, all-pervading light, found the door of liberation of appearing before all sentient beings to guide them according to their various types. Brahma King, sound of magical displays, found the door of liberation dwelling in the realm of tranquil and serene action of the pure aspect of all things. Brahma King, eyes of shining light, found the door of liberation of always diligently appearing with no attachments, no boundaries, and no dependence in the midst of all existence. Brahma King, pleasing oceans, sound, found the door of liberation of constant contemplation and investigation of inexhaustible truth. So as you might imagine, uh, it takes some patience to read this sutra, which goes on in this vein, as I said, for 149 pages. But nevertheless, um, I took it in 10-page increments every day after my morning meditation, and I accomplished the feat of reading the first book of the Avatamsaka Sutra. Um, so, you know, even my teacher didn't have too much to say about the details of book one. Um, uh, but, you know, my, I, <laughs> you know, I, I decided to give a Dharma talk and I'm thinking, well, what can I talk about? And, and so, oh, that the entering the door of liberation, but you know, that, that's, that sounds really good, right? So I should give a talk on that. But then I have to figure out, well, what am I really going to say about that? Um, and what am I going to say about this first book? And so then I have to spend quite a bit of time thinking about, especially something like this. I mean, this is, this is, there's not a lot to get a hold of here, exactly. Um, but the but the one thing that that um, after some you know meditation on this and some writing, doing some writing, the one thing that that um, that jumped out at me was uh, the the lack of any sense of being bound by time and space, and that, which I said already. But 
that the, this this um, this sense of really just this um, display display is, is what I would call a display of liberation uh, occurring without any any orientation in time um, struck me as something uh, that that should be paid attention to um, and because it's a bit it's quite a contrast it's it's quite a contrast with other stories we have about the Buddha's awakening we don't you know we have other stories and most people uh, who who encounter Buddhism are familiar with the Buddha's the his Shakyamuni Buddha's the story about his uh, his uh, spiritual journey right which we can place in time uh, and we can place in sequence right the Buddha was born in 563 BC or something around that period that time he was a real existing person uh, he was the son of a king he grew up in a palace sheltered from the vagaries of life and suffering uh, he had some inkling that there might be some other reality to be investigated and he prevailed upon uh, someone in the palace to take him outside the walls where he saw the four sights. And seeing the four sights of a sick person, an aging person, a corpse, and a monk, he decided, yes, there's more here to investigate, and he got a horse and left the palace at night and uh, began his you know spiritual journey so this is this is kind of you know uh, usual kind of story that we can we can uh, we can hold on to there yeah, you can make a movie about this story and people have of course made a movie about this story it's 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 a it's a normal story <laughs> Um, and it comports, it comports with a kind of understanding that we have that um, spiritual development is something that takes time, that we are going to have to work at for a while, and that we are slowly uh, going to uh, grow in our spiritual development over time. So the presentation, though, as I'm saying, in the in the Flower Garland Sutra is not like this. It's not like this. The Buddha awakens and immediately all these myriad, myriad beings are awakened and entering the door of liberation. Right from the beginning. They're entering and teaching the Dharma. So uh, the the thought that I had, well, there's just there's just no there's just no preliminaries. There's just nothing before awakening. There's just there's just no leading up to. 
the teaching here is awakening is instantaneous and and it and it pervades all beings all t- all time um, right now that's the teaching it's a teaching of of uh, of sudden enlightenment so actually this is uh, this is um, a kind of two versions you know uh, of the of the way uh, people think about the path you know our our path of spiritual undertaking um, and it you know I think the most commonplace way that people think is that um, uh, I am um, severely dis- deficient in my spiritual um, understanding and my and um, and and my Know, um, life and and um, the way I conduct my relationships, I am so forth and so on, and I need improvement, and so uh, I can undertake uh, this spiritual path, and and hopefully over time I will I will grow in wisdom and I will uh, and things will improve for me. And you know, things will get better, and I will be more. I will. I will be happier, and so forth. Uh, and so, you know, we we in, under that version, uh, we take undertake the our um, our spiritual development with with uh, this this gaining idea in our in our minds. Uh, we're going to we're going to get something out of doing this practice. And it will be all worthwhile sitting silently for, you know, many periods on end, and uh, uh, having you know pain in our legs and back, and because you know it, we're going to get something out of this, and and it's going to be it's it's going to help us grow. And that's you know that's not not true. That's not not true. Um, there is a, a gradual. Path. There is truth anyway. Let's just say there's truth to the gradual path. There's truth in there, uh, but it's not the it's not the whole truth. And this other truth that we actually uh, in 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 Zen are asked to contemplate, and and maybe uh, maybe the Avatamsaka Sutra has some has some influence on this. We're asked to contemplate. Um, the idea uh, that we can skip the preliminaries and just go straight ahead right now through the door of liberation right now and and uh, so the, these two um, these two views of the past uh, of the path um, were actually um, hotly debated uh, and have been hotly debated uh, in in the history of our tradition and uh, sort of received wisdom is that they did have this big debate in in uh, china uh, in, 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 the, in the years of the inception of Zen about the gradual path. And the sudden path, 
And, you know, the received wisdom is that um, the northern school of Zen developed and adhered to the gradual path. And uh, the southern school of Zen um, responded to the teaching of the gradual path by uh, pointing out that awakening is uh, not over time, but it is all at once. It is all at once, and, and we shouldn't conceive, the recommendation is, you know, that we shouldn't conceive of ourselves as uh, ignorant human beings, ignorant, deficient, lackadaisical, uninspired people. We shouldn't conceive of ourselves that way, and we should entertain this. We should entertain the the conception of ourselves as no no separation from awakening. We should entertain that perspective. That, that we're encouraged to entertain that perspective. Now, this doesn't mean you know that we we get all puffed up and you know say, well, I, you know. I'm an awakened person, you know, that's right from the beginning. That's not quite it. But but we should entertain this perspective. And uh, I would submit that um, uh, our, uh, our ancestor of this tradition, uh, this is called Soto Zen here, and it's a specific school within the vastness of Zen practice, uh, and our and our founding teacher is Ehe Dogen, who appeared in the 13th century in China, and uh, oh, excuse me, in Japan, and but went to China, and he received, I would submit, he received the teaching of sudden awakening from his teacher, and that's what he brought back to Japan, and that's what he. Um, tried to teach us. And so there's, um, there's, we're going to chant at noon, we're going to chant the self-receiving and employing samadhi. And there's a, there's a, there's a line, or several lines in that, in that text, where Dogen says this, uh, from the first time you meet a master without engaging in incense offering, bowing Chanting scriptures, repentance. Oh, chanting Buddha's name, repentance, reading scriptures. From the first time you meet a master, without engaging in those things, you should just wholeheartedly sit and thus drop away body and mind. So, um, I think this is Dogen, you know, teaching the same thing as the Avatamsaka Sutra. Dispense, no, no preliminaries, no build-up to awakening. Uh, just go right there. Go right ahead. You have permission from me, your teacher. You know, I'm talking about Dogen, not me. To go right ahead. Um, 
And so I think he I think he's teaching this teaching of sudden awakening. You know, without doing these preliminary things, just go right ahead. Later in that in that text, he says, each moment of practice is equally wholeness of practice, equally wholeness of realization. So the teaching here is that we are never, we have never been outside the door of liberation. We've never been outside the door of liberation. We're not practicing to get through that door. Uh, Our practice is nothing but entering, is nothing but walking through the door of liberation. I think that's what Dogen is teaching. Each moment of practice is equally wholeness of practice, equally wholeness of realization. Um, I came across, now we're reading in, with my teacher, we're reading the second chapter of the Avatamsaka Sutra. And um, I think we were so daunted by that, we've stepped back. And um, we're reading we're reading some corresponding text um, that uh, sort of make the same point as the second chapter was and this, the second chapter is really all about uh, the Buddha um, teaching um, by s- sitting still and and radiating a great light throughout the universe and this is it I think the whole chapter pretty much although I haven't finished it yet, but the whole chapter is pretty much describing this light uh, that is radiated throughout the universe. And there's some other, there's some other texts, particularly in Dogen's line, that reference this light, reference this great spiritual light that's radiating out. And one of the texts is by, well, he has, Dogen has a text called Komio, and um, and uh, Zen Master Ajo has a wonderful text. Um, Zen Master Ajo is uh, Dogen's immediate disciple. So um, Zen Master Ajo has some very strong words in this in this text. In one point, he says, um, "To go on degrading yourself and limiting yourself." producing individual subjective ideas that you are basically an ignorant, ordinary person, a common person with no wisdom, is truly hellish behavior, slandering the wheel of the teaching of the enlightened. So that's some pretty strong language. But this this is... This is Although it really kind of the point here that uh, I'm suggesting that uh, we make a we we make a deviation from this path when we when we go on degrading ourselves, limiting ourselves, producing sect, subjective ideas that we are basically ignorant and ordinary beings, a person with no wisdom. Uh, this is this is um, well. Anybody, I think, can see that that is just not helpful. <laughs> it's just not helpful. 
to, to, to maintain that kind of view of ourselves. So we need to, um, well, we don't need to do anything, but the suggestion is uh, that we um, have, a, have a lot of skepticism or um, and not giving a lot of credence to that kind of talk, that kind of self-talk or that kind of talk about other people, um, that kind of view of other people. So um, an example that uh, I have here is um, when you uh, find uh, your mind wandering in Zazen, when you find your, a train of thought going on and then suddenly you realize that you've become greatly distracted from, you know, your presence in your body and breath. What is the teaching when we find our mind wandering? The teaching is just come back. And that moment of finding your mind wandering, doesn't it happen all of a sudden? Doesn't it happen right now? Right now, you 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 wake up. You wake up. Oh, my mind is wandering. It doesn't happen like gradually. You just see it right now. It's a moment of sudden awakening. Sudden awakening. You find yourself wandering right now. And then, you know, you don't berate yourself. Just just trust that moment of finding your mind wandering. Wonderful. Wonderful. Find your mind wandering and come back. And just you just drop all that discussion that's been you've had you've been having with yourself. Um, that moment of finding your mind wandering is a precious moment. It's a moment of awakening. So trust it. Ah, wonderful. You know. Finding my mind wandering. Excellent. Right now, I come back. Finding your mind wandering is a door of liberation. So uh, there are, as anybody who you know has studied any Zen literature knows, there are numerous stories about sudden awakening in our teaching stories. Um, virtually all of the virtually all of the stories are stories about sudden awakening. Um, so I picked out just one, um, and this is a story um, of uh, we chant the names of the Buddhas and ancestors here on Thursday morning. And this this is a, a story about uh, Doan Doki Daiosho. Uh, he's the fourth of the. Uh, the Chinese Zen ancestors. I forget how what what he is, what number he is in the in the whole lineage. But anyway, he's the fourth of the Chinese Zen, Zen ancestors, which starts, of course, with Bodhidharma. So he's the fourth after Bodhidharma. So this is a story about him talking to his teacher, Kanchi Sosan Daiyosho. So. Um, it, 
Doan Dohi says, oh, excuse me, it's not Doan Dohi, it's Daihi Doshin, sorry. Daihi Doshin. He says to its teacher, I beg you in your great compassion to give me the teaching of liberation. The teacher asked him, who is binding you? The student says, no one is binding me. The teacher asks, why then are you seeking liberation? Dai Doshin was greatly enlightened. So, as you know, if you, you've, we've read the uh, transmission of the light, and after each story, each story of sudden awakening in that book, uh, there's a comment by uh, Dogen's disciple Kazan. And Kazan says this in his comment on this particular story. He says, The practice of the doctrine of emptiness is called the teaching of liberation right from the beginning. Though you speak of mind and the objective world, and though you speak of defilement or awakening, these are all just names for one's true self. These are all just names for one's true self. So, uh, as I said, I, 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 I come up with these topics, and then I, then I just, you know, I let them stew for a while. Sometimes I think I should put more thought into the topic itself, but the door of liberation just sounded, it just sounded so wonderful, I had to talk about it. Um, and so, uh, I'll just read something that, um, as, you know, again, I just kind of let this, let let the topic stew. And um, one day after morning meditation, I wrote this. In addition to entering the door of liberation for ourselves, our practice is holding open the door of liberation for others. Strictly speaking, the door of liberation has no name or form. It is simply holding open It is simply holding open. Be a doorman or a doorwoman for all beings, letting all our experience be walking through. Our present experience is the door of liberation. Whatever its name, at that particular moment, it is our present experience, our experience of Presencing. Its name might be this life. Its name might be death. Its name might be the pain in my back. Its name might be my child. Its name might be my career. Its name might be my Sangha. Whatever its name, the Bodhisattva holds open 
the door of liberation for all beings. That's what I wrote. <laughs> so I just read it since I wrote it. And I didn't want to somehow paraphrase it. Sometimes I write these things down and then I go back and I, I look and I say, oh, pretty good. <laughs> but I don't remember it, you know. Anyway, so this is my talk today. I'll give you, this is relevant, uh, this is relevant to our sitting today. This is one more little um, of the many, 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 many aphorisms or realizations of the beings in the Avatamsaka Sutra. This is from a book, and this, this quote is very relevant to our, our sitting practice today. This is from a bodhisattva called Sublime Eye. He says, or she says, of the various pleasures of the world, the pleasure of holy tranquility is supreme. Abiding in the vast essence of reality, bodhisattva Sublime Eye sees this. So we have this chance today, you know, to abide in uh, holy tranquility. That's what our sitting practice can be. It can be a lot of things, but one thing we could call it is holy tranquility. And holy tranquility really is, you know, abiding in the vast essence of reality. There's no um, conflict there. It's a safe place. So, uh, do you have uh, some questions or uh, reactions or comments or it's okay if you don't but if you do this is a good time yes Oscar so as you know Jim our teachers teaching the Avatamsaka Sutra in all of its assemblies it seems mm-hmm. so I'm also reading it um, and um, finding myself lost in the oceanic detail and magnificence of chapter one uh, in an attempt to keep myself from drowning um, I made notes on, on some of uh, what was described and I was interested and impressed to find I think you know in addition to the uh, uh, to the um, kings you mentioned, there's quite a few celestial kings, each one of whom has a posse of about ten kings mm-hmm. in his lineage or, or uh, category, um, and and uh, and the um, mode of liberation of each of these kings, of whom there are, I didn't count up, I should have. 
But there must be, there are well over a hundred kings plus other uh, beings of the type you mentioned. Anyway, uh, they're each described twice. Uh, that particular being's doorway. And I was very impressed to find that the description is the same. Not the same, but uh, parallel in both descriptions. Mm -hmm. So for all of these kings... Uh, oh, they're described once in prose and once in verse, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I found it impressive that someone put up quite a bit of attention into like describing these these beings. Um, so it kind of that structure was hopeful to me in not just sinking below the surface. Um, also another thought I'll mention. Um, most of our teachings are like, are someone like, I gave the sharp end of the rope, leading us up to the top of the mountain. This is how to do it. Don't think of yourself this way or that way. Just do this. Uh, and the other time Saka Sutra is not leading us anyplace. It's at the top of the mountain and describing scenery, <laughs> um, which is, um, it's hallucinogenic in its relentless piling on magnificent detail. Um, so thank you very much. It's very daunting. I, I when I, when I read your uh, proposed topic for today, I was thinking, what is he going to, what's he going to talk about? <laughs> so, um, thanks for talking about it. You're welcome. That's a good description, you know, that of being at the top of the mountain and, you know, instantaneously, you know, and starting from there. Translator, and 
In Babel 17 language, uh, the heroine is talking about, you know, if I don't have a word for a concept, I can't think it. And, and so she's talking about as, as different um, of these interstellar species have different languages and, and how some languages, one language had no word for I. So how can I have, so I, I just was thinking the same thing is the, that's so helpful, the, the, the writer to be able to create these incredible images like this science fiction writer and like the author of the Sutra. Um, breaks down those barriers, the, the, the conceptions that I have about the world, my all my assumptions, and, and forces me and opens opens my mind to be able to take in. Yeah. But when you were talking, it reminded me of the experience of uh, occasionally uh, seeing a visual object but not being able to identify it. It it, it and I'm sure I think everybody has this experience like you see something but you can't really what is that you know you can't you can't really place it and there's this kind of um, moment that it's hard that's hard to rest in of of just this non-conceptual you know I can't put language to it and and there's usually you know some continued looking at it until one can put language to it and say oh that's this but it's I'm I was seeing that and then the funny thing is that once you've once you've uh, seen it uh, you know with the words you can't go back and and unsee it you know the way you were seeing it before so uh, yeah I think I think that this science fiction is a vehicle for um, often a vehicle for Philosophy, right? I mean, it's that's it, it's 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 a vehicle for that, and and uh, yeah, we maybe that maybe the Avatam Saka Sutra is too, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's certainly a vehicle for Buddhist teaching. Yeah, just just a it's just a non-conceptual. You know, you can't conceptualize the setting, the place. And you, so you just see the teachings stripped, stripped away from all, all, you know, ordinary context. And uh, it's funny how hard that is to, to read actually, to just see the, the 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 teaching, you know, bare like that. But that's, you know, that's kind of how how we're built because we're we're storytellers. You know, we want a story. You know, please give us a story. With a moral, you know, uh, and that's usually that we 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 live in a story-making world. That that's that's our world, and uh, that's a big part of our world. And uh, so we have a day like this, and it, it's a day to drop all these stories and see what that's like, you know, see, you know, or, or keep encountering our stories and question them and and say, well, yes, but not now, <laughs> not now. Not now with that story. Later, or uh, uh, anyway, just I think not now is enough. Just not now. Sometimes the stories are so compelling that we can't let them go. That's okay too. Um, you know, again, that's not a reason to consider yourself. What do you 
what did he say? An ignorant, hellish person, you know, an ignorant person with no wisdom. Don't consider yourself that way. That's not the point. The point is to be friendly with yourself, friendly with your own mind. That's the point. That's the point of today. Be friendly with your own mind. Okay, well, I would say what we should do now is have a um, 15 minute period of Kenyan. Use the restroom if you like, and then we will end at 10 to with service.